Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 140, released on August 31st, 2016. My name is Steve Eunice, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hello, Steve. That's interesting that we're releasing the show on the 31st. I'm sitting here in New York City in my bus that I drove in, and I'm at gate 31. I'm looking at it right in front of me here. <laughs> Very good. Synergy. Yes, indeed. Now we should say at the top of the show that our podcast is proudly sponsored and thankfully sponsored by Patrick O'Neill, a good friend and Superman fan, so thanks again to Patrick. Indeed. Thanks, Patrick. All right. Well, it's uh, it's been um, obviously a few weeks since we've last got together for a podcast. It seems a little bit longer, maybe because of August being a five-week month. Uh, it feels like it's been a while, but there hasn't been too much happening in the world of Superman, outside of the comic books where things are really chugging along nicely. But as far as movies and TV stuff are concerned, it's a little bit quiet. We do have a few things to talk about, but uh, it's not exactly, you know, uh, going gangbusters at the moment. Well, you know, TV's off and we know we're done with the movies for a while. So mm -hmm. we're kind of in a dead zone. Yeah, we uh, we do have a little bit of rumor and speculation Uh there was a post stating that Man of Steel, a sequel to Man of Steel, a follow-up Superman film, if you like, is in active development at Warner Brothers. Now, what that means or how uh, reliable that information is, is hard to say, um, but nobody's come out and said that it's not in active development, but then nobody's come out and said, yes, it definitely is in active development. Yeah, we don't have an official statement from anybody mm. I, I guess this was the latest rumor and mm. we always have rumors when we're talking about comic book movies and science fiction and things like that so obviously we've all hoped for a long time for a man of steel sequel whether you hope that it'll be helmed by someone other than Zack snyder and written it a little bit differently i think most of us seem to be pretty happy with henry cavill and the rest of the cast so I think it's nice that we have the opportunity to see them continue onward. Yeah, and there's been some speculation out there, and I don't know how. Uh, I think it's probably just fan wish fulfillment, hoping that stuff like this happens. But J.J. Uh, Abrams' name's been bandied about a little bit online. Uh, there's, again, nothing official connected with that. Uh, we do know that he was once involved back in the day with the Superman Lives or Superman Flyby, or whichever one of those it might have been which was a little bit of a weird script that was written by him uh, with Lex Luthor being a Kryptonian with uh, there being all sorts of other different crazy things going on in that particular script. But uh, that's neither here nor there at this moment. Kind of interesting that he did write a script of that nature when, you know, everyone kind of, not everyone, but at least half the people complain that he's ruined Star Trek while some of the people <laughs> really love it. And the idea that, he would go that far outside with Superman. Now, he did kind of say right out to everyone that he was never a Star Trek fan. He was always more of a Star Wars fan. And mm. I think that gave people fodder to say these Star Trek movies are more like Star Wars. But he clearly did his research and knew the characters and knew the situation. And he changed some things up. But nothing major like making Lex Luthor an alien, uh, a Kryptonian 
uh, which which would obviously uh, be a huge change mm. to anything we've ever read about these characters before. Uh, although he was much younger than uh, you'd think, any director who would take on a project would, uh, you know, get versed in the material to some extent of what it came from. Uh, obviously, so many comics. Most of the time, they don't base a movie on one specific story, but mm -hmm. the idea that you at least know who the characters kind of are and, and where they relate in terms of uh, Lex being a human and kind of always having this hatred towards Superman because he apparently stood above us or thought he was better than us. We obviously know that's not true, but that was part of Lex Luthor's distaste for Superman. So then to turn him around and, and make him a Kryptonian seemed like an odd choice. Mm. Uh, but I guess he was going for a big uh, surprise at the end of the movie that no one expected, which if you hadn't read the script, you probably would not expect that. So I, I guess kudos on that. <laughs> now we do know that uh, there are two unnamed or untitled DC films slated, uh, one in October uh, 2018 and one in November 2019. Uh, neither of those have been specified for what they might be, but whether or not either of those could be a Superman film spot, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Well, it's certainly by that time will have been a long time between the film and, and maybe with the sort of lukewarm reception that uh, both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman have gotten, we need perhaps Justice League and, and maybe the second Justice League with Superman involved to kind of get people back to uh, hoping to see Superman on his own again. I mean, maybe that's the delay and maybe that's uh, never that they were never going to do it. But the idea that they kind of wanted to give people some distance and some time to maybe recover from whatever it was that bothered them about the initial films. Mm. Now, speaking about Justice League, uh, Henry Cavill uh, posted on Instagram a, a very intriguing photo of a close-up of part of the S-Shield of a Superman costume, but this was all black. Now, whether or not it's a black and white photo, I don't know if that's the case, but it seemed to be indicating to many people about the recovery suit that was part of the return of Superman from the comic books, where he wore an all black suit with a silver S that time uh, in his, uh, you know, was a recovery suit from coming back from the dead. And we know that in the end of Batman v Superman that uh, he indeed was seen to have perished. And we all know that he's coming back. But uh, whether or not this is Henry's way of indicating something or just keeping the discussion alive, uh, it was an interesting photo that got a lot of people talking. Yeah, I mean, I uh, didn't go in and research. I'm guessing that uh, based on, I think I talked to you about a little bit, the idea that I thought it just looked like the black suit from Man of Steel, mm. but then was pointed out to me that there are additional characters, Kryptonian language, That's right. that was in the new uh, Superman suit for Batman v Superman mm -hmm. that was not in the Man of Steel version that is now on this version. So that seems to indicate that it's a different black Superman suit. Indeed, it does, because there is, as, as we know, Kryptonian writing in the S-Shield that was for Batman v Superman that wasn't there in Man of Steel, so uh, it is definitely the updated suit. But as I said, whether it's just a black and white version of a photo uh, or it's a black version of the suit remains to be seen. But obviously Henry is indicating something. He knows his stuff. He knows his background material. And I guess that's uh, where he was leading us. But the, uh, there was another photo also posted online via Instagram 
That was uh, through the official photographer, Clay Enos, who has been the photographer for most of or all of these movies so far to date. And this time it's a, a photo of the uh, printing presses at the Daily Planet rolling out a front cover for the Daily Planet newspaper. Uh, not much that you can really see. There is a, an article, and it goes to show the attention to detail in these props and things that they do for these films because there is proper uh, material as far as written articles on the Daily Planet newspaper. There seems to be one indicating some kind of uh, update of uh, software for the, the city's computer systems that may be um, opening them up to a you know some kind of a virus or attack. And uh, that had people thinking about Brainiac and, and you know things along those lines, but it, and you know there's things like the five day forecast for Metropolis's weather. There's other you know small uh, articles on the side there. I, I, if you don't read anything into it, because we never get to see these props that close in a film, uh, I just was impressed with the attention to detail more than anything else. Yeah, it's it's neat, and I like the idea that. Um, you know, obviously we all know we're in a connected universe, but that 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 they're continuing the idea that the Daily Planet's a big thing, even if we're not in a Superman starring movie. Mm. He's you know, he's in it to whatever extent he's going to be in it. But but that the Daily Planet is a big news reporter just in the D.C. universe. Exactly. And not only in uh, when we're hearing a story about Superman and Lois Lane. Yeah. So uh, impressive uh, photograph. And good to see the Daily Planet involved in uh, that movie. But that's all we have really for the movie side of things uh, for the world of Superman. Uh, so uh, the DVD for Batman v Superman you know, had top sales and stayed at top, I think, for a couple of weeks. So that was, uh, for Blu-ray sales especially, that was very impressive. Uh, but uh, beyond that, I guess we move into to the world of TV. All right, well... Let's do that. We've got uh, Tyler Hoechlin, of course, which I did my most recent Great Scott on, talking about a little bit about some of the things we've heard and seen. Uh, is it Hoechlin? Hoechlin? I think it's Hoechlin, and we got a first look at him in the Superman costume, uh, thanks to a official photograph of him and Melissa Benoist standing side by side. Now, to be fair, this was a horrible photo. It didn't do him justice at all. And I'm very glad that since that has been released, we have seen some, and I put my fingers in inverted commas in the air up here, uh, leaked photos of, uh, you know, of him on set filming as Superman. And while I'm still not a big fan of certain aspects of the costume, he does look so much better in these leaked photos than he did in that officially released promo shot where he just looks sickly. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting that that would be the official one that they release uh, when, as you say, there have been so many after that are not official that make him look so much better. But you're right on the costume. There are some strange choices that they chose um, that they went with. And I'm not really sure, you know, when a costume designer is designing a costume, if they're not doing an exact replica of something from a comic or something, they generally make aesthetically pleasing choices that they think look good. And it seems very messy. There's a lot of extra appendages on it. There's a lot of extra added parts. Uh, the collar is there, but then the, the cape is in a weird spot. It's kind of an odd looking ensemble. 
I agree. Uh, for the most part, I'm I'm happy with the majority of the suit, uh, the colours, the the, you know, the length of the cape, um, the S especially. I think that's one of the best S shields I've seen on any live action costume to date. Uh, the boots uh, maybe here neither, neither here nor nor there, but my biggest gripe is the way the cape attaches to the pectoral muscles, if you like, uh, above away. You know that whole plastic kind of look that it, the way it attaches with those clasps um, at the you know over the shoulders. I just think you know they did such a good job with Supergirl's costume, and I think it's Colleen Atwood who's the uh, award-winning designer who's who's created this costume and did Supergirl's costume and and many others for other TV shows, superheroes. But um, just the way the cape comes over the shoulder there, it just looks odd. Um, I really like the way that Melissa Benoist's cape tucks into the you know the collar of her costume down down the front of the neckline. That the way the 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 cape material then folds over the shoulder, I just think adds a real regal effect to the you know to having a cape where the plastic leathery attachments that attach for the superman costume just look impractical and and extremely odd they they look kind of ugly i mean yes. i agree with you and i i don't uh, i don't like that look either the other thing that that is worth mentioning i think is uh, i've talked to some people who feel that it's inaccurate or somehow uh, difficult to buy that Supergirl and Superman's Shield of L, House of L, Family Crest, whatever it is, and they've said on Supergirl that it's her family crest, would be so different. If it's a family crest, it should have uh, the same look as opposed to uh, hers looking one way and his looking another. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a fair statement. And I guess even in the comic books, they have been different. You know, the current Supergirl S Shield is different to the Superman S Shield in the comic books. So. There is, it's, it's, there is a precedent there, um, but yeah, I, I guess maybe it's just, um, um, you know, um, maybe the, what's his name, Jeremy Jordan's character, um, Winshot, um, has taken some creative, um, you know, license in the way he's designed Supergirl's shield uh, compared to the way Superman's was. I mean, it still looks like the S, it's just... Um, um, it's just like say the letter S in you know in any font that you choose in the English language. It could you know it can be different. It sometimes can have serifs. Come sometimes it does you know doesn't. So um, it's just I guess. Well, that's true. But that also then you know when they say it's an S and it stands for Superman, right. then you can't really argue because an S is an S and it could look different in whatever font you use. Yeah. But but now when we're in the modern age where Nobody likes to say the reason he wears a big S on his chest is because he's uh, advertising his name to people and that it stands for Superman. It's not that. It's instead in the movies, it's it means hope, and it's his family crest. In the Supergirl show, they say it's their family crest. No one ever says we're wearing a letter S on our shirt, mm. uh, which a lot of people who aren't Superman fans say, well, he's wearing an S. It's a big S on his <laughs> chest because it is. Uh, you know, on our planet, it's an S, even Lois covers that on man of steel but uh it's interesting that i never really thought about i mean i guess i did in different time you know when they reintroduced the new 52 supergirl i didn't really love the s shield there mm. and it looked very different from any symbol of l that i've ever seen before but you are right in that uh at least in modern times 
the Supergirl S and the Superman S have looked different. I think uh, always before that, the crest was always pretty uniform mm. across all of the books. Yeah, indeed. But uh, it's interesting that we're in here, sitting here talking about the design of the costume and not ma the man in the costume, yet uh, I think predominantly most people actually like the way Tyler Hoechlin looks as Superman. Um, you know, maybe he's a little bit short, some people are saying. Um, you know, what's his, his body shape is like. You know, we've been spoiled with Henry Cavill's, you know, enormous physique as far as his, his muscles are concerned. But Tyler Hoechlin isn't a small guy. He's, you know, he's, he's buff, he works out. Um, he, you know, maybe the costume doesn't do the muscular uh, stature of his, you know, physique justice. But I think he's, I like his look, both as Clark Kent and as Superman. I think he's, you know, I think he's a good actor as well from what I've seen from him in other shows. And I'm looking forward to seeing his portrayal. And I'm interested in, uh, in seeing the way that Clark Kent and Superman are portrayed on the Supergirl TV series. Because from some of the things that executive producer Andrew Kreisberg have said, uh, they're really going back to like a classic Superman and, you know, uh, he's a bit more lighthearted than what we may have seen in, in recent years. Well, you know, I think in one, on one hand, I think it's uh, obviously they're trying to make a smart business move. And that is that uh, the people who have been unhappy that the missing red shorts aren't there uh, are going to be pleased in that we're getting to see Superman with his shorts again. And uh, I still kind of stick with that's really the biggest gripe people have, but they turn it into other things as we move on. But uh, it was a huge thing, changing the costume, mm. taking away the shorts. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to, based on this article, this recent one that was released, everything I said in this week's Great Scott is kind of obsolete unless they're lying. Uh, the idea that this really is the Superman that we've already seen on the Supergirl show, uh, the guy that she's been dealing with, whereas my thinking was based on Tyler Hoechlin's look and based on the way that they've kind of treated Superman on the show, it seems odd to me that they would bring him in as a major character and allow him to have sort of his own life and his own story going on when uh, so far they seem to be very adamant about the only thing Superman would do would detract from Supergirl. So we very much have to downplay his abilities. So it seemed to me the best way to do that was to cast a much younger looking actor who seems to be uh, much more naive and much more inexperienced as opposed to the one who supposedly could be her father at this point because he's, he was around here so much longer than her before she got here. Uh, but Tyler, to me, looks uh, younger or just about the same age as Supergirl. Now, I guess the argument could be that Kryptonians don't really age, or if they age, they age very slowly once they reach adulthood. So I suppose that's possible. But one thing Tyler does have is a very young, young look. So he didn't strike me as a Superman who had been operating for the amount of time that the Supergirl series seemed to indicate that he had been. Mm, no, I can understand your concerns and uh and thoughts on that uh and i guess look it's a cw show <laughs> most actors are young you know they don't uh they never uh that's true you know they never seem to to be the age that uh, is appropriate to uh what we think or uh what they're said to be but um we have seen some additional uh leaked as i keep saying leaked photos um showing you know fight scenes showing uh superman and supergirl together uh, which are really interesting. We've seen uh, Melissa Benoist with um, 
uh, Linda Carter, who is playing the US president in this season two. And we saw a, a fight, a, um, photographs and video of Tyler Hoechlin, or a double, fighting what appears to be Metallo, uh, who appears to be coming on to season two's first two episodes. Uh, we saw, you know, green glowing chest piece. We saw, uh, you know, uh, Tyler Hoechlin's Superman suit seemed to be uh, modified or, um, you know, additional pieces there that perhaps are, you know, there to um, defeat Metallo with some kind of, you know, lead shielding or whatever it might be. But uh, an interesting uh, addition to the show there. I was very excited by that video. Uh, obviously, we're going to see whatever they film on the show, mm. uh, but it was neat so early to kind of see him fighting Metallo. Uh, and another thing that I'm interested to see where they go with it, because you know, usually, based on the Reactron storyline, it's got to be Supergirl. It's only Supergirl. So Superman has to lose on a continuous basis and be made to look weak and bad so that Supergirl can look strong and, and, and good. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where that goes. My thinking is, based on uh, experience, lessons that I've been taught by the Supergirl show thus far, is that Superman, uh, that Metallo will be her enemy and that's that, that she will be the one that, that uh, takes him out. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, uh, but it is her show and that they, they kind of made a really big deal to make us know that she doesn't need Superman, she doesn't want Superman, she doesn't want to be involved with Superman. It's a woman power, it's girl power, and uh, Superman can't be shown succeeding, otherwise it makes her look bad. Mm. It'll be interesting to see how that is played and whether they downplay that whole uh, aspect of their relationship. Um, but uh, looking forward to, to Supergirl Season 2. And we have so much more to look forward to in this second season because it seems like they're packing in so many great elements. Uh, we've got a, a crossover that's taking place, not just with The Flash, but with Arrow and with DC's Legends of Tomorrow. It's a four-way crossover where Supergirl will be central to the plot which I thought was very interesting, being the new addition to the CW's, uh, you know, uh, uh, collection of superhero shows. Uh, the uh, who is it? Um, Mark Guggenheim, producer of Legends of Tomorrow, said that the Supergirl crossover says it's an external threat from outside the shows that will involve Supergirl coming over to the Flash, then then Arrow, then Legends of Tomorrow. What that threat might be, we don't know yet. Uh, he hasn't disclosed that information, but I think that's extremely cool that all four shows will be crossing over with Supergirl central to the plot. I uh, enjoyed the photo that was shared by Melissa Benoist on her Twitter where we saw all the boots. Uh, they were kind of sitting. The photo was a, uh, uh, f you know, from your face area, but you only saw their legs yes. kind of going down to the super-powered boots, and it was... Uh, Supergirl and Flash and Arrow and I believe uh, uh, Ray the Atom. Mm, yeah, extremely cool. And uh, neat photo. Now, besides that four-way crossover between all the other shows, there's going to be a crossover with the Flash that will be a musical crossover. Now we both know 
that Melissa Benoist and Grant Gustin were on Glee, so they know we know that they have the ability to sing. I'm not sure about the rest of the cast, but most of these CW actors seem to have been in some kind of you know musical show or background, you know um, musical theatre or, or some. You know, I mean, they're multi-talented these these actors, just like yourself. You can sing and act and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So. Uh, how and why there is a musical crossover, my thinking is Mixius Pitalik. Well, that would be pretty interesting. You know, it didn't occur to me until you just said it that that, that could be a way. I mean, in general, my thinking on this is uh, uh, no singing, just uh, justice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I uh, because it, we know that these shows are a lot sillier, a lot goofier. There's a lot of corny dialogue and campy attitudes going on, uh, especially when you compare it to the movie universe. And I think that's why they are doing it, because whereas the Marvel fans or the people who are DC fans that that still really wish DC had done it the way Marvel did it kind of have a. Uh, they're confused as to why they can never connect the TV universe with the movie universe and why there's two different Superman and there's two different flashes and, 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 and that it's confusing and that it's the wrong way to go from a business standpoint, you would kind of want everybody to like everything. And hopefully we get to that point while at the same time, they know that they've kind of been hit or miss with the movies and it's kind of half and half or maybe sometimes even more people don't like them than do. So I think giving them the people who are looking for the lighter versions, who are looking for the more hopeful or inspiring versions, who are looking for the versions that they seem to remember from their youth or from the Silver Age of comics or whatever, seems to be what they're doing on the TV side of things so that they can kind of keep both people happy or... Uh, remake the people happy who haven't yet been happy with the versions they've gotten so far. So, so here we have, uh, and I don't know that the, that a musical fits in with that other than to say, I couldn't imagine Batman and Superman, Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill uh, <laughs> singing in the movies. So it's probably the only place they could do something like that. And I would say, avoid it at all costs. Uh, don't do it. Uh, don't even think it. Don't even say it out loud. Don't ever write the idea down. And I, I think that it's absurd. Um, and I think that it's a bad thing to do. But I'm kind of with um, Oliver, um, who is played by Stephen Amell, who came out and said he will not be involved. He will not be singing. He thinks it would break down everything they've set up with Arrow from the beginning. And he thinks that it would um, uh, be bad for for his show and for his character to be involved in something like that. And I, I kind of have to agree with that. Mm. While at the same time, when I saw it, I said, who the hell are you? I mean, you're just some guy who after Arrow is gone, no one's ever going to see again. So, uh, you know, you're lucky to have your job and, and you'll do whatever it is they tell you to do. You're not the leader. <laughs> you're not the one who writes the show. You're not the owner of the show. Uh, you'll do if they come to you and say you're going to be in this musical. We're not going to have you sing because you can't, but you're going to be in it or whatever. That's what you'll do. But uh, I suppose it's possible he could protest so much that they wouldn't include him. And uh, as of right now, we know that it's not going to be including Arrow. But uh, I do agree with the sentiment that uh, it doesn't seem to fit in the superhero world. On the other hand, 
some of the funniest things that I've seen in the animated world are when Batman sings his songs in Justice League <laughs> or when uh, they had that musical episode where the music meister came and made all the characters sing on the the uh, newer Batman, uh, Batman Brave and the Bold show. So again, these are Batman shows, but I loved those. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it's, I just don't know how you do it in, in live action and make it viable or acceptable in a superhero universe. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But uh, if something like Mix is involved, then I guess it's, uh, it's plausible. But uh, there's some other characters that are going to be coming into season two. We have Miss Martian, which is going to be really cool from the the side of uh, you know of Martian Manhunter, thinking that he's the last one. And in and in you know previous versions, uh, Miss Martian has been a white Martian. So uh, you know we'll be that'll be interesting to see if that plays out and how that plays out. We know that uh, the actress uh, Sharon Leal from Grimm has been cast to play Miss Martian. And uh, we had heard that Chris Wood had been cast in an unknown role for season two of Supergirl. We now know that he will be Mon-El, which will be uh, very interesting to see how that is played and whether or not that will lead into something like uh, Legion of the Superheroes or if that will be mentioned at all. It's interesting, again, that they kind of keep going back to Superman characters uh, while at the same time kind of telling us that Superman's not important and we don't need him around and it's a woman show and it's Supergirl show. Uh, but you got um, Metallo and you got Max Lord and you got all these characters from the Daily Planet who now work in National City. And uh, it seems as though they're unwilling to have their own characters or create their own Supergirl characters. And they even borrow stories like for the man who has everything uh, because they're good stories or because they're already in existence or because maybe Supergirl doesn't have a lot of her own. Uh, and yet uh, here we are again with Monel and with Cadmus and, and with, um, uh, you know, we already have Martian Manhunter who historically has not been involved with Supergirl in any way. And now you're going to have Miss Martian. Uh, they're appropriating a lot of different characters. And while I love to see that, it's uh, it, it'd be nice if they kind of had their own thing going, since that seems to be their rap. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from there. I guess that it's great to see a lot of these characters introduced and and, and brought in to live action versions. I think Miss Martian is. I mean, if you're going to have Martian Manhunter in there, then uh, you know having Miss Martian involved as a teenage young girl another character along those lines that would be a very interesting dynamic between her her and Kara. Um, yeah, Monel, I can understand your point of view there. Uh, you know, there has, um, you know, he is a, another young um, character that I guess would fit in some way, as would the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, we also know that Kevin Smith will be directing an episode, and we now know that it will be called Supergirl Lives, which is obviously a nice touch, considering that he was supposedly uh, involved with the Superman Lives project back in the day. So, uh uh, an interesting um, thought there. And yes, as you mentioned, Project Cadmus will be the big bad, I guess, of season two. A lot of interesting stuff going on and a lot of stuff from the comics. And it seems as though gone are the days where people were concerned about introducing things that were too comic booky yeah. uh, to television shows. They they go right for it now. And it's something we have looked forward to every week once the show's uh, come back on and i guess they're what is it october 10th or something like yes, that? yes that's right monday october 10th and 
We have an official synopsis for Season 2 of Supergirl from the CW. Uh, it reads, In Season 2, Kara has left the safety of being Cat Grant's assistant in order to figure out what she really wants to do. While as Supergirl, she continues to work at the DEO, protecting the citizens of National City and searching for Jeremiah and Cadmus. Along the way, she will team up with Superman to battle new villains as she strives to balance her personal life with her life as a superhero. Mm. That sounds nice. Yeah, well, we know that <laughs> I guess Jeremiah they have to is alive. Of... We know that he's being held by Cadmus, I guess. Cadmus being a, a group of people who are hunting and uh, exterminating. Well, I think the word was eradicating aliens. Mm, that sounds terrible. Yes, the eradicating. <laughs> eradicating. But I wonder if we, uh, uh, if we ever lead into if that's kind of a nod to the Eradicator at some mm. point uh, being involved. But we'll we'll have to see. Uh, I do like. I'm I'm very glad that that uh, Jeremiah is still around, and and hopefully we'll see him uh, either get rescued or or be involved somehow. Now uh, the whole uh, the whole cyborg. Superman kind of being appropriated in the comics as a Supergirl villain and the whole sort of backstory of Cyborg being changed to where it's Supergirl's father on Krypton. Mm. I don't know if they'll if they'll use that in some way. But with Cadmus being involved, my my thinking was, is it possible that in kind of a nod to the idea that Dean Cain played Superman once long ago and that Supergirl's father uh, was um, the the new 52 version of Cyborg Superman, and it seems like they're going to keep that going forward here with the comics. If they might do a Cadmus sort of thing, where uh, where Dean Kane is somehow used as Cyborg Superman mm. in, in this universe. Mm, that was Michael Bailey's theory too. So it'll be interesting to see if they uh, somehow bring that in. Uh, so looking forward to season two of Supergirl. As you said, Scotty, it starts Monday, October 10th on the CW in the US. Uh, at the moment, they are playing back-to-back -back episodes of Season 1 on Monday nights on the CW at, starting at 8 p.m. So uh, if you're catching up on Season 1 episodes, that's the way to do it. And uh, we look forward to Season 2 starting October 10th. Awesome. All right, let's get into our comic book discussions. And there's... With uh, both Action Comics and Superman titles now having two uh, issues a month, we really have uh, quite a bit to catch up on. Uh, it's really cool that we've got so much Superman and Superman family stuff coming out these days. Now, we have actually three issues of Action Comics that we can discuss, 960, 961, and 962, which all wrap up this doomsday fight that's been happening with Superman uh, Wonder Woman in 960 comes in uh, and helps out Superman fight Doomsday. Uh, Doomsday seems to be uh, on the trail of uh, young Jonathan, Superman's son. Uh, then uh, in 61 or 961, uh, Superman uh, removes the fight or takes the fight elsewhere. Uh, I'm just trying to open up my comic books here. In uh, 961... Um, why won't this open? Here we go. 961. The fight. Uh, we've got Lex Luthor. You know, still trying to um, save Metropolis and and you know uh, help out the people there with this powerless Clark Kent guy. We don't know who he is at this point. 
Uh, the fight continues with Wonder Woman helping Superman, uh, trying to uh, you know save uh, his family, make sure that his family are safe. We have this mysterious, is it Mr. Z or Dr. Z? I can never remember his name, who brings in his own troops to try to contain and capture Doomsday in 961, which, as we see in 962, doesn't go well for this group of, of guys. Uh, they get annihilated by Doomsday. And uh, Superman then... Nine, opening 962. Superman then uh, removes the the fight um, and uh, tries to uh, you know take Doomsday elsewhere. Uh, tries to take him to the fortress, Superman's previous or original fortress that he built, not the one that was um, there for the New 52 Superman, and uh, it puts Doomsday finally into the Phantom Zone. Mm. What did you make yes, of this story? Uh, a arc? long, well, it was a long, long story arc with not really all that much happening other right, than a lot of fighting, fighting Doomsday through five uh, looks. I think five books, five parts, and we eventually get to Superman finally using a plan. Uh, while the guy in the hood, uh, you're calling him Doctor Z or whatever. I, I don't have any memory of him, but. He uh, is saying the whole time, uh, don't just slug it out with him. You can't fight him. you you, you got to come up with something else. And, of course, he's not talking to Superman. He's talking to himself. Mm. Uh, and then for some reason at the last minute in book five, part five, Superman decides to do just that when, in fact, up till that point, that is all he was doing, uh, hitting him and then trying to hit him harder and then trying to hit him faster and then trying to hit him some more and knowing the whole time that he did that before and it didn't work. And we had to wait till part five for him to get to a point where he says, I got to have a plan. And then he formulates a plan into effect and is successful in it uh, in the, the final 13 pages of, of part five after seeing some more battling happen for a while first. Uh, I enjoyed the story, but I think it could have been told much more simply. And I know they don't want to do that. They want to sell books. I still am on the train where. I feel like they are releasing too many books, Not and that's and not something I would complain about because I want as much Superman stuff to do and read as, as possible, but they weren't selling one book a month. Uh, it's I feel like it's going to be hard to continue selling two books, and I assume, I don't know if you know, that, uh, that all the characters are this way. Uh, every two weeks they have a book. Mm. It just seems like a lot of material when comic books don't really sell and when dc hasn't been able to sell superman comic books uh, or any comic books other than batman and even those sales comparatively are extremely low so to add more when you were already failing with less seems seems an unusual choice but the quality seems great i mean it looks beautiful all the art's really great uh, and the story idea was fine i mean it was just another rehash of doomsday showing up with no particular explanation or reason um, and we've seen him fight Doomsday many, many times. And I also still have the, the problem, and, and it seems like maybe we're going to get through it eventually or somehow they're going to wipe that away. But the idea that this guy is not Superman, even though all the fans are happy because it's their Superman, the Superman that disappeared when the New 52 launched, to this world, to the world we're still reading about, this guy isn't Superman. 
Uh, and, he, and it was great to watch him fight with Wonder Woman, and it was cool to have her see. It was nice to fight alongside him again. And uh, and then I see solicits of Wonder Woman kind of being hugged and held by Steve Trevor. It's almost as if uh, somehow when uh, when the new 52 was decided to be scratched, they kept the world and the everybody remembers everything, but somehow Wonder Woman already seems to have forgotten that she had a serious relationship with Superman or not care about it anymore and has already moved on to a new Superman, while at the same time having a love romantic relationship coming up with Steve Trevor that quickly after, uh, you know, Superman's only been dead. And we read in the Supergirl comic book, which we'll get to, that it's only been a few months since the new 52 even launched. So, how serious could anybody's relationship really have been with anyone if it's only been a couple of months? So it's all very confusing and it's all very unusual. And I, uh, you know, unless they wipe everybody's memories, I still find it hard to buy that that everybody, Batman, Wonder Woman, Lois Lane, everybody else would would accept that. OK, this guy's Superman now and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I don't think everybody's just accepted it. Uh, there has been a couple of issues already where they've discussed, you know, trying to get the old Superman back and, you know, uh, Lex Luthor doesn't know who this person is and he's, he doesn't trust him yet. And, um, you know, we haven't seen too much yet of uh, the current Lois Lane's story as far as, you know, what she thinks of him because of what's going on with her life in the Superwoman costume uh, com comic book, which we will get to as well. But uh, there seems to be a lot going on and, uh, you know, this uh, action comics storyline has been... You know, a very action-packed, uh, so it's fitting the title. But um, as far as sales are concerned, you mentioned uh, DC Comics actually, for the first time in a long time, beat Marvel in sales in July. So the July rebirth sales were extremely good for DC Comics, and uh, DC is back on top for uh, for the for the time being. So uh, I guess that's great news, and I guess that shows that fans are buying into what this new rebirth era is delivering. Well, you know, it's the comics have become an event thing. They uh, every year or, or twice a year they launch an event and they spike sales for a little while, and then they go back to normal, which is bad. And then they come up with another event. The new Fifty Two uh, made sales increase. Um, DC was beating everybody. Everybody loved the idea. Everybody had to buy it. Everybody had to see what was going on. And then uh, they had some events throughout, and sales went up and down, but mostly down, down, down as time went on. And now they said we got to do something major, another shakeup, same as Crisis on Infinite Earths or whatever, when they relaunch the universe each time. And now sales are up again, and then they'll go down again. I mean, uh, it's it's a cycle, and it happens uh, every time. Um, it's it's uh, it's it's like. Um, you know, when you see something happen, it's experience. You you kind of know that that's the way it's going to go. Uh, and Marvel will introduce another event, and then their sales will go up, and then their sales will go back down. That's generally the way it goes. Is it possible that uh, comics will be the new form of media, and that everybody will start buying them again, and and, and that uh, they'll be successful, and that people won't think they're stupid? No, it's not. So we know comics are going to always be the kind of thing that 40 and 50 year olds read now. And occasionally a child might read one or might be forced to by his parents, but it's not a particularly popular medium. And, you know, the fact that you don't know that you didn't say the numbers exactly, but the fact that they're beating Marvel right now 
uh, when Marvel's numbers aren't that great either. So if you look back over the years and the amount of units that used to sell in the millions, and now they're a oh, couple hundred thousand. Yeah, no, no doubt uh, with comic books, uh, I mean, with things like video games and you know iPhones and all the other distractions that kids have these days, they've got so much more at their uh, fingertips to be able to keep them entertained uh, you know, other than comic books. So, yeah, definitely sales are down on previous generations. But uh, I think uh, that there is a bigger plan now with uh, Jeff Johns taking over as or becoming president of DC Entertainment along with Diane uh, Nelson. And uh, now he is, I guess, above... Uh, guys like Dan Didio and Jim Lee, as far as uh, positioning um, in the on the the pecking order, and I think uh, that's only going to be a good thing for the future of DC Comics. Well, I hope so. I know that's what everybody is thinking. Uh, I don't, I don't believe there's been one particularly written Jeff John story that I've actually liked, but uh, maybe that'll change for the future. And I know he's a fan favorite. I know he likes Green Lantern, uh, but uh, I'm not. So I'm not. I'm not sold on him for Superman. But of course, he's involved with the entire DC universe. Mm. So maybe one person with a cohesive vision that uh, seems to, you know, coincide with all of the books at the same time will be helpful. Although. So far, I certainly see a difference between one book to the next. We here again have uh, in the action books uh, Lois saying, oh, yeah, we'll work on your powers. We'll learn about your powers going forward. But then we're still in the middle of a story in the Superman books where uh, John was able to think that Wonder Woman hated him and came to take him away when in this story we see her being so caring and so helpful and clearly so uh, interested in them and uh, wanting to be their friend, but then somehow John forgot about that when he was imagining that Batman and Wonder Woman showed up to take him away. The issue that I was upset about last month, when uh, I just didn't see it and still don't see it, that that story was from his point of view, although reading forward you see that it was, but in that story it wasn't evident to me that that's what I was looking at. But it, it just doesn't seem like the characters mesh with each other from one book to the next, meaning if Wonder Woman was their friend, why would he suddenly think that she's this stranger who came in the dark yard to take him away? I guess that's because from what I've read from Dan Jurgens, the reading order is that uh, what's happening in uh, Superman is set after action comics. So it would be the next story down the line. So by that... Well, yes, it is after, but but he meets Wonder Woman and is friends with Wonder Woman and goes to the Watchtower and everything before, before the Superman books. And the Superman books is where Wonder Woman and Batman come, and he's so afraid that they're there to take him away, and he hasn't yet learned about his powers... And then, then we move forward and he learns about his powers. But in the action books, he's already met uh, Wonder Woman and he's already gone to the watchtower and, and she's kind of a friend. And Lois and her, we were friends in the other world and we're going to be friends going forward. So, again, at least to my eye, it seems like they are not meeting together in writers' rooms and understanding where these characters are. If the Superman stories are the second story to read after the Doomsday arc, then John would know to trust Wonder Woman because he's already met her and she's already helped protect his family and gone and saved his father. 
so to be afraid of her then in the next storyline, which comes after, and act like she's a stranger seems out of place. Mm. I guess that's probably an editing uh, thing there. So uh, it'd be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, who is really uh, on top in the, the editing department these days. You don't hear too much about Eddie Beganza or Matt Idelson, all those guys who've always been at the forefront of, uh, of pushing the Superman books. These days, the editing or the editors seem to have kind of be pushed into the background. Uh, we used to have a common uh, monthly uh, forum with the editors of the Superman books, which we don't have anymore, sadly. So we don't hear too much from their perspective these days. But uh, you mentioned the Superman uh, title. Uh, issues four and five have come out since we uh, last recorded our podcast. And uh, this is the Eradicator story where the Eradicator is trying to, for a better, want of a better word, eradicate the human side of Jonathan and try to um, you know, create a pure... Kryptonian um, uh, uh, legacy, I guess. Uh, this story, interestingly and, and somewhat strangely, uh, involves Bibbo. And, uh, you know, the, <laughs> we get to the Ace of Clubs and we get this moon rock, which wasn't really a moon rock, but uh, a piece of Kryptonian uh, artifact, if you like, a piece of Krypton that uh, the Eradicator is attracted to, which is strange because you'd think there are other pieces of Kryptonite and the Fortresses of Solitude and all these other things that would have Kryptonian artifacts that would be more of a, a draw or more of a magnet. But at the end of issue number four, uh, Superman uses a submersible a submarine, if you, get, if you like, to uh, remove Lois and Jonathan from uh, the danger and, uh, of, you know, and around being on Earth and taking them to um, the moon where he has, in his investigative reporting... Um, sussed out that Batman has a secret moon bat cave, if you like, and there's some technology that he's hoping to use, which Lois ends up using uh, in a very alien-esque, as a, when I'm saying alien, I'm talking about the movies, uh, you know, donning a, um, a, a bat suit like Ripley does in uh, the Aliens movie and, uh, and fights for the life of her son to, uh, to stop the Eradicator. Lois has always got an opportunity to kind of be cool, mm. kind of be badass, you know. Uh, I'm not sold on the Superwoman idea, the idea that both she and Lana have somehow been affected, even though we never saw it. Well, and there's no this actual is uh, Lois, the mother of Jonathan. This is the other Lois. This is and, Lois from uh, I the like, other universe. Right. I like when we see her as a human being mm. uh, do what needs to be done to protect her son or whatever, while at the same time, this story is oddly similar to the Doomsday one. Uh, we, have, we have a character from the past that was related to the whole death of Superman thing coming to fight Superman. We have him then become interested in Jonathan. We have Superman then try to protect them. We have Superman take them into space, which is what Diana did to protect them in the other story. And we have him then stopping the, the threat uh, as best he can or whatever. It seems like both stories are the same. They are. They do have a lot of similarities. I, I get where you're coming from there, except in this one, I guess Lois has more of a hands-on approach to the solution of, of the story. And uh, this has a, a more metaphysical kind of element to it with Superman being consumed by the Eradicator and having to converse with the uh, the spirits of of dead Kryptonians to um, you know persuade them to to assist him. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are differences, obviously, but oh, uh, very similar. You know, you have. Yeah. Um, big bad is every story is every story going to be how Superman has to get Lois and Jonathan away and protect his family every time from now on? Is that mm. is that what it almost seems to be the precedent that they're setting? And of course, I know we have Super Sons coming up, which, as you know, I'm against. Um, <laughs> where he's going to be his own superhero. And now we have Superwoman, where Lois is a superhero. And we have Super Lana, where Lana's a superhero. Uh, I think it's, I just think it's too much. I think it's too many regular characters being turned into superhero characters. Uh, even with Lex Luthor and, and the little girl calling him Superman in the story. Thank you for saving me. Um, and again, I will say that Superman is this, the one that seems to be wrong in every instance of his meetings with Lex Luthor. He doesn't know this guy. He hasn't been proven anything other than the guy's trying to help. The guy's rescuing people, and Superman wants to tear him down every chance he gets, even when at the end of the Doomsday story he goes and asks him to talk to him, taking him away from his rescue efforts, and then says, oh, yeah, I still don't trust you, so uh, get bent. And at the same time, like Luthor saying, you know, we're allies and we're, we want the same thing. And we know that generally Lex Luthor has ulterior motives and Superman does too. But this is a different Lex Luthor. And so far, uh, Superman definitely seems to be the one that has the cold attitude and the unaccepting attitude and the whole idea that he's supposed to give people the benefit of the doubt and everything else. It doesn't seem to exist in, in, in this relationship, at least. Yeah, well, I guess he's have... Yeah, he's thinking about the Lex Luthor that he knows and, and you know, uh, doesn't trust what this one uh, is doing or, um, and the fact that he's taken the S-Shield for himself probably just doesn't sit well with him. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think that's an interesting interesting story that's uh, going to play out there, the dynamic between uh, this Superman and this Lex Luthor and this Clark Kent, who we still don't know too much about. so Yeah, weird. And I'm sure Superman's going to end up being right. I mean, we know this Lex Luthor. We know the things that he's mm. done in the New 52, and we know he's not an altruistic hero. But uh, people can turn over a new leaf, and at least right now, I'm a little confused myself as to what his game is and, mm. and what it is he's doing. I guess maybe he's just loving the fame or loving the idea that mm. being he's idolized. looked at in this way right now. I don't know. Now, you mentioned uh, Lois and Lana having superpowers. Uh, Superwoman number one uh, was also released this past month. And to uh, interesting uh, uh, reaction from fans, a lot of mixed reactions. Uh, the, the, the story stems from the fact that both Lana and Lois were there at the time when the New 52 Superman met his end and the reaction that uh, that happened there at the end there uh, both infused them with some of his powers or some superpowers if you like uh, Lois seems to have the more um, iconic of powers uh, you know the super strength flight etc uh, where Lana seems to have more of um, uh, I guess the electric Superman powers if you like because she, she dons a, a red version that's very similar to Superman Red's costume, she seems to have more more electrical type powers. Um, and uh, at the end of this comic book, um, sorry if there's a spoiler warning here, but uh, it appears that Lois Lane meets her end, and uh, Lana is left to um, to to fight the good fight. But uh, you know, we don't know yet with Superman, Superwoman number two not having come out at this point in time. 
just what will happen uh, and what's happened to Lois Lane of the New 52 universe? Well, there's a couple of things I would say. And the first thing is um, I was surprised that this was called Superwoman and not Superwomen. Mm. Um, but, but of course, the way it ends, we have uh, the, wow. possibly why it's Superwoman and not Superwomen, although uh, Lois is featured on both covers. And going in, you might not even know that Lana is going to be one of the superwomen. No. And now, of course, she seems to have uh, perished, and we have Lana left. So it's interesting that they would – and you know, all we've heard about in the solicits is that Lois Lane is going to be superwoman. So my guess is she is not uh, – she's not done for. So going forward, I'm guessing either Lana is going to go or they're both going to be around, which then takes me back to why isn't it called superwomen? Uh, since they seem to be both in the same sort of story arc and they both got their powers the same way. The other thing that I would say is so were 20 or 30 other people around at the moment that he met, that, that Superman met his death. Uh, Superman was holding him himself, uh, the, the new Superman, the, the old Superman, the Superman who came back from the other universe, Superman. Um Steel was there, Lana was there, Lois was there, um, other superheroes were there, Batman was there. Lots of people were there. I don't remember everyone in the photo. It was a two-page spread, and lots of people were there. It was in the Rebirth uh, special. So to say that somehow, because Lana and Lois were there, separated on different parts of the field, they both got infused with powers, would then you'd then have to say, well, why didn't anybody else get infused with powers? Especially since we weren't shown like a specific beam hit anybody or none of them were holding his hand when it happened or the only person holding him was the other Superman and uh, he seems to be normal. So why pick those? Why are, why did they too get the powers and nobody else mm. or, or why was no one else affected? That's uh, That seems a bit of a stretch to me, but yeah, no, I understand. I do seem to be the naysayer this week, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, I understand your uh, your thought process there. Uh, we are talking about superhero comic books, so I guess um, the pseudoscience there uh, hasn't really been explained. But uh, I'm not sure uh, why it's just those two. But uh, And I was surprised, as you say, that it was Lana was also affected. I'd all I'd heard all about Lois Lane being uh, the one getting super, you know, superpowers, but uh, it surprised me that Lana also... Uh, was included, so um, I guess they kind of uh, tricked us a little bit there with the title being just Superwoman. It does seem to have something along the lines of, um, you know, Clark Kent, the human part of Superman, which is really just a metaphysical thought that he has a human part mm. because Clark Kent really is just Superman yep. with glasses on. Uh, but he somehow got separated and is not and has no memory of having been Superman at all while at the same time, the Superman part of him completely vanished and went into Lana and, and, and Lois. And now we have weak Clark with no powers. And we have these otherworldly beings saying, you know, all of these people that we all thought they were aren't, aren't really what you think they are. And, and, of course, that whole mystery going on that this Clark and, and that Superman and the new Superman, who's the old Superman from the old universe isn't really who we think he is or who they think he is. So there's all kinds of weird kind mystery. of mystery talk mm. going on. So uh, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and I, I mentioned that Mr. Z or Dr. Z, it's actually Mr. Oz. Uh, so, uh, oh, which there you go. Which makes a lot of people thinking is Ozmandius from the uh, Watchmen 
uh, story. So uh, something else uh, to probably. think about going on there. Sense. Now, uh, Supergirl Rebirth was also released this month, and I'm not sure if you got a chance to read this one, Scotty, but uh, it's yeah. it's a repositioning of Kara Zorel, the Kara that we know from the New 52 era. Uh, she was powerless at the end of her New 52 run. Uh, here, it's the DEO trying to uh, reignite her powers. Uh, she's been, giving, been given new identity uh, with new parents who happen to be um, uh, Jeremiah and... Uh, why am I f- missing her name? Uh, Eliza. Eliza Danvers. Eliza. Yes, yes who are uh, operatives at the DEO in this t- version of the story, but uh, they are given to her as her... Um, adopted parents, if you like, to help with her secret identity so that she can have a normal life outside of uh, being a superhero, but then she'll be working with the DEO uh, as Supergirl. So there are very similar ties, if you like, to the TV show, which I guess is what the point of relaunching the Supergirl uh, comic book is to have some similarities with what people know from the TV series, but not so similar that it's identical. This is a different version, similar characters, similar names, but um, a, a different a repositioning of the new 52 Supergirl into a rebirth era that uh, will be more familiar to people. Yeah, I don't remember Kara not having her powers. My memory of her last is that Superman went to her and said he knew he was going to die and he needs her to continue the legacy of, of protecting humanity. And she was flying around in that story. So, And her book had long ended, so I'm not exactly sure when... She supposedly lost her powers. Yeah, I, I just I do remember her losing her powers and not having them. But um, and then she was just working um, like in a coffee shop or something there somewhere. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, but I didn't but, know she didn't. Uh, I'm confusing a bunch of things, but I know when Superman at the end of the the uh, last days of Superman story went to her, she was in her suit and she was he took her out of the DEO because they were experimenting on her or mm, something mm. and she was mad at him but they were both floating in the air and she was trying to hit him again which seemed to be something she liked to do um but <laughs> maybe but this I don't fits think she in was between there powerless so I'm, I'm yeah not i sure think what, well at what, the what in supergirl rebirth uh, this comic book she does get her powers back so that could be a uh, position there somewhere um, within the timeline of after getting regaining her powers in Supergirl Rebirth number one. But there's also a subplot here uh, with this uh, character called... Uh, or it's a Kryptonian uh, character who was sent into the Phantom Zone by Zor-El uh, when Krypton was... Uh, or bef- just after Krypton's demise, but while... Uh, I think it's, is it Argo, the, the city that... Um, Supergirl, uh, he they managed to save, was still in existence. But before it perished, uh, there was a, 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 a character who was um, infused or changed by red kryptonite poisoning, and was sent into the Phantom Zone until a um, a cure could be made or created for him. But obviously, no uh, cure ever was ever made before uh, everyone perished. And therefore, uh, Laron is this character's name. The problem that he has is that he turns into a werewolf, if you like, whenever there's a full moon. And that's the red kryptonite poisoning. What it does to him, he f- comes to Earth through uh, a portal that uh, finds him fighting Kara. And uh, she finally gets through to him to be able to 
uh, get him to stand down so that they can, through the DEO, try to find a cure for him uh, rather than uh, him be let loose and roam around as a Kryptonian werewolf on Earth. Yeah, it's a weird story. It's still one of those things, Kalana and Lois thing, where you go, uh, uh, well, why? <laughs> why does why is poisoning uh, cause him to become aware? What is the relation there? How did it just chose? It decided, well, with this guy, I'm going to make it so that he's a werewolf when the or would that happen? I think Tony, there's a they got the same. There's a history here. This character was seen in the '70s. It's a it's a character that has been around in the comic books before. And as we know, in the Silver Age, Crypt, uh, Red Kryptonite would have uh, strange and uh, and um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, um, Random, random effects, varying. Yes. Uh, That's yeah. right on uh, Kryptonians. So therefore, you know, one in one circumstance, Superman would have the head of an ant or the head of a lion, or would be made into an old man <laughs> or, or a baby, or you know, there was so many different random, um, you know, things. That oh boy, am I thankful the Silver Age is over. <laughs> so uh, I think in this circumstance, uh, this character was turned into a werewolf, and uh, so they're just re, uh, you know reintroducing this character in a rebirth modern era and i guess that's the effect that it has or had on him this kind of poisoning would turn him into a a crazy uh where person but uh so that's the story in supergirl rebirth and uh, supergirl number one will come out uh in uh, september so i think it is so looking forward to uh kara's uh, reintroduction to the comic book world in her own book now it looks like the final pages are uh, also seeing Zorel possibly go the cyborg route again. I'm not certain. Well, I think uh, he's already been that way in the year 52. So it's I think because it's just a repositioning, it that still exists in in this version of the character. Right, but in the backstory of Zorel in this book, he's normal, and then he goes wandering around the ruins of Argo. And and stumbles upon something, so it it almost looks as though they're going to re-explain mm. how that happened and maybe change some things up somehow. Yeah. So we'll wait and see how that is explained. Now I don't want to go too much into detail with the new Superman, that the Chinese Superman character, that that book. While I'm still reading it, it's um, it's not my favorite. It kind of goes down to the bottom of my pile. And um, it's, I mean, it's not really connected to the Superman books. It is in a way, but it's, it's, I don't know if it's something that we'll continue to monitor as far as this podcast is concerned. What are your thoughts on it? I did not read, as I said uh, the last time. Um, I'm not really that, I wasn't that interested. I picked it up. I looked at a few pages of the first one. Uh, I saw that it wasn't really connected. And I didn't really have that much an interest in it. I, yeah. I think it's a silly idea. I'm not really sure why. I guess because they want to try and sell an Asian superhero and they're trying to diversify. I think that by using the Superman name, they can do that. But it's it, it screams knockoff, and I don't think people are really that interested in about... Even if they're looking for an Asian superhero, I think they'd be more turned off by the fact that it's... A uh, guy in a pseudo Superman suit calling himself Superman and and not really being a thing. So I'm not really sure what's up with it. Uh, I'm not reading it. 
and uh, it, it, I guess it's called Super Dash Man, so it kind of relates, but it's it's not really relatable to me. No, I'm I'm with you there, and as I said, I'm I'm reading it for the for the time being, but I don't think we're going to focus on it too much here in this ongoing podcast, but. Uh, I guess we should make mention that Justice League, uh, the new title, uh, has had three issues itself. Justice League 1, 2, and 3. Now, Superman isn't that involved in the... Well, he's not involved in the first issue. There's a a major crisis that... He does show up in the uh, battle away. Right. Because he comes at the end and, you know, they win. But, uh, you know... Which is nice. Yeah, there's an ongoing uh, crisis that uh, involves all the Justice League heroes. And uh, Batman pretty much says, look, we need, we need Superman. You know, I don't trust him. I don't know much about him at this point in time. But there, you know, there's something we need to do at the, core, the, the Earth's core. Uh, there's only really one person uh, who can do that, and that's someone with Superman's abilities. And so uh, they call in uh, this new Superman to... Um, to, to do that for them and um, and you know he's so he, he he gets involved in that manner and uh, it is an interesting read um, you know uh, I like the scene with uh, Superman and Lois there and um, you know that's uh, um, it's good to see that in a Justice League book where there are heroes of all these different levels of power that uh, Superman is needed specifically because of his power set and his abilities. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I feel like they get away from quite a lot. I mean, I just watched, and I know I'm way behind, but I just watched Justice League War two nights ago. And while I really liked the quality and I thought the animation was great and uh, some of the dialogue was great and I, I just liked it in general, I feel like Superman was heavily downplayed, taken out of the battle really early and easily. Uh, Darkseid, one of his major enemies in Justice League cartoon uh, series, uh, he was really the only one who could go to toe, go toe to toe with Darkseid, and take him out really easily. And then Batman is needed to go save him, and the other heroes kind of take care of Darkseid on their own. Even though Batman says we need Superman to win, they really didn't. And and here you have a situation that's kind of the opposite of that. They needed Superman to win in this case, mm. and I like that they followed through with that. That that him showing up is what really turned the tide of the battle. Where in war, I felt like uh, the movie anyway, they they dropped that ball in terms of him being that important and actually made him, uh, by, by the way they wrote it, not important. Mm. And, I, and they seem to do that more and more, especially in favor of Batman, uh, where uh, he's definitely the forefront of these stories. And then and then sometimes he even needs to go and save Superman. And that's... Uh, that's hurtful for a Superman fan. Mm, I agreed. So uh, that's where we're at with the comic books this month. Uh, a lot of stuff to, to to read through if you're a Superman fan and interested uh, in all the books. Uh, as we said, there are so many coming out. There'll be Supergirl next month. There'll be Super Sons, as you mentioned. There's Trinity coming out. So a lot to, to look forward to as a comic book reader, as a Superman fan. But uh, before we move into the big question segment of the month, I did want to make mention that there was announced the fact that a third Lois Lane novel written by Gwenda Bond would be coming out in May 2017. Uh, Lois Lane Fallout was the first Lois Lane book in May 2015. Lois Lane Double Down was the second book in May of this year, which I've just finished reading and absolutely loved. 
And so I'm really uh, just thrilled that a third book in the series will be coming out called Triple Threat in May next year. I jokingly tweeted Gwenda, who uh, is a fan of many things Superman-related and superhero-related and who has been a guest on our live show uh, with Michael Bailey and I, uh, I jokingly tweeted to her that the fourth book should be called Quadruple Bypass, which uh, would, be, <laughs> would continue with the theme of double down, triple threat, uh, and continue on that way. But uh, she she liked that. But, uh, yeah, look, these are um, young adult novels. and But if you're a fan of, like, the Harry Potter series or books of that ilk, then Lois Lane series will be just uh, right up your alley. Um, you know, they sound a little bit hokey when you read the, the, the descriptions on the back of the book or what have you. But the, the first book and the second book were really uh, great reads, and I highly recommend them to anyone who is a superhero fan, a Superman fan, and especially Lois Lane fan. It is set as in Lois Lane's teen years, and, and she just starts working at the Daily Planet in what's called The Scoop, which is a teenage, um, you know, in the basement um, kind of... Uh, area of the daily planet but um it's it's well worth reading uh gwenda bond does a great job with these novels and i'm really looking forward to the third book next year i'm very happy that they're still going i mean i figured it would be a one-shot deal um who would have bought these books so what is the what is the uh, market for them and, and who who's i don't think teenage girls care about superman or know about lois lane so i'm very surprised that I mean, maybe the numbers didn't have to be that great, but they must have sold pretty well in order for them to keep uh, paying or to make more. Mm, and I uh, know Gwenda's uh, an established writer. She's uh, got these Girl on a Wire, Girl on a Train series that she's uh, famous for as well. So uh, good to see uh, a well-known and respected writer uh, of young adult novels uh, who's also a massive superhero fan uh, getting involved in these books and, and writing uh, such a wonderful series and hopefully they continue. I know my niece, uh, Anne, loves these books and uh, is a big Gwenda, fan, Gwenda Bond fan, so uh, she's pretty keen to, uh, I've just now that I've finished Double Down, it's in her hands and she'll be reading that soon herself. Great. All right, let's move into the big question segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Last month's question was, did the Ultimate Edition of Batman v Superman improve the movie for you? If so, uh, how? And if not, why not? Uh, we have a response from Guthrie McLean who wrote, I think I preferred the African scene just the way it was, showing Lois being unmasked and not telling us who the photographer was, only to find out he was Jimmy Olsen and later find out he gets shot. Kind of it's in your face. It upsets fans. But showing Superman fly into the missile was cool. It was a better film. But some scenes seemed out of place. What the F do you want? Uh, I may not generally swear for a Superman film. It, it seems slightly out of place, unless maybe it was used with humor. Ultimately, the film's tone was still too serious and dark. Yeah, well, thanks, Guthrie. I, I uh, agree with the Jimmy Olsen thing. I think that was unnecessary. But uh, for me, I think that the Ultimate Edition, especially everything that happened there in Africa and that woman the, uh, who was, uh, you know, initially lying about you know her family being killed and everything that had happened there and uh but as you find out later on was uh you know being made to say all that stuff i think that was far more well explained in the ultimate edition than it was uh in the theatrical version yeah there was just a lot that was included that 
and I think there was a lot that could have been cut instead of cutting the, the, the parts that kind of helped explain why Batman and Superman really wanted to fight each other. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest complaints that I hear is that the only reason the fight takes place is because it's the title of the movie and that that uh, there were plenty of opportunities for and there were for Superman to stop or not fight and just let Batman keep doing whatever. And, and long before the kryptonite ever hits him, he's never in any danger. He puts, you know, he's he actually is fighting Batman. You know, he goes there to look for his help, and he could just tell Batman about Martha right away. And he has the opportunity many different times, but he doesn't do it. The Ultimate Edition doesn't help to explain that, but you can see why both characters would be madder at each other uh, more strongly with the Ultimate Edition, mm. which uh, they cut those types of things, whereas we could have cut the nightmare scene, we could have cut the other nightmare where the bat comes out of the vault, we, we could have cut uh, lots of other things that wouldn't have hurt the plot of the movie, uh, well, whereas uh, the way it came out, I, I think it was um, not as, uh, as you say, the way it is now. Not as clear. But the Ultimate Edition, is, it's, mm. it's much much more clear. Uh, but All right. Next up, yes. we have yeah David Landon. He writes, uh, it's, it definitely clarified some things that didn't make sense before, like why everyone thought Superman massacred people in Africa, as we were just speaking about. But it didn't shed any light on why Batman was having visions or whether Lex was naturally crazy or if his mind was being affected by Steppenwolf. And honestly, if you need three hours to tell a story that makes sense, then you're doing something wrong as a filmmaker. The Ultimate Edition has its merits, but overall, I think it proves that Zack Snyder needs old, adult supervision. Well, I think that this response, uh, David, just kind of goes to the type of fan that you are, and that is that you're not a fan of Zack Snyder, and a lot of people aren't, and that's okay. Uh, but it's another, it's a dig at Zack Snyder as opposed to, uh, I think personally that uh, I want to see a two weekend long Superman <laughs> movie. Uh, and there's plenty of story, and there's plenty of things, and I think they packed a lot into it, probably too much. The whole death of. Superman thing being crammed in at the end, just a just a prime example. Uh, but I think they were trying to give us a lot. I think they were trying to pack the movie in, and I think that they cut the wrong things, as I was saying. But you do mention a great scene, the Africa thing that I said before. Who would think Superman went in and shot people? Uh, but but in the cut version, you do see them burn the bodies, which is something that people could buy because Superman has heat vision, mm. which is pretty important if you're trying to sell a story that Superman is the one who killed all these people. Um, so, so yeah, that's something, again, essential in order for us to buy the plot they're selling, and that is that half the world believes that he went in there and physically killed these people. Superman doesn't use guns, so the only way to do that is to show them killed by superpowers, which the flamethrowers can kind of mimic. Exactly. All right, who's our third responder? Patrick O'Neill wrote, The Ultimate Edition did improve the movie for me, but I already liked the film. The extra 30 minutes just made it even better because there were quite a few more scenes with Clark Superman. I really like the fact that Clark is investigating Batman just as much as Batman is investigating Superman. The extra 30 minutes delves into that quite a bit more than the theatrical cut did. The Ultimate Edition felt more like a Superman film. Now I'm just waiting for word on Man of Steel 2. Great job, guys. Thank you, Patrick. Yeah, some good thoughts there. Uh, I agree that it feels more like a Superman film with more Clark Kent and more Lois Lane in there. Uh, the new big question for next month's podcast is, what do you think of Tyler Hoechlin as Superman? Yeah, now that we've seen photos of him, both leaked and official ones, uh, let us know your thoughts. What do you think of Tyler Hoechlin as Superman? What do you think of the suit itself? What do you think of the man inside the suit? You can get involved with this big question by... 
clicking on the big question button found at the Radio KAL webpage. You can find that under our favourites menu at the website and let us know what you think. We'll read out all the responses here. Now, if you do want to send in an audio response, you can record yourself as an audio response and send that in as an MP3 file and we will play that here. We haven't had one of those in a long time. Mm, yes, yeah, send some of that in. And let's listen to our Superman comedy sketch, Steve. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! Yes, this month's comedy sketch stars Sam Kinison as Jarrell and Nora Dunn as Lara, uh, which is called the Krypton Survives skit. It is from the Saturday Night Live episode from November 15th, 1986. So check it out. Uh, here is Krypton Survives. minutes or there's going to be big trouble. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Have you been fooling around with this? Couldn't be wrong. That's not my stomach. Yes, hello. Yeah, yeah I answered the phone. Will you stop ringing it? Yeah, I remember our bet. I remember our bet, you smart. I'm like, yeah, you'll get your money. Yeah, very funny. I lost the sun. It's a big joke. Yeah, great. I'm going to leave this off the hook. You just wouldn't let me check your calculations, would you? Give that. All right, what's nine times seven? What do I have there? Nothing's right. Oh, God, I'm not here. I'm not here. I'm not here. I told everybody. 
Jor-El, we have done of you as you advised us to. We put all five of our children in the spaceship you built for us and got them away just a few moments ago. I, I see. And, and one other thing. We've each taken poison. We couldn't bear to see our beloved planet explode. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Uh... Jor-El, why have the tremors stopped? Oh, oh, they, they have it, they have it. Matter of fact, you're, you're delirious from the poison. All right, go home, lie down. There's nothing more you can do. Just, just wait for death. Go home. Uh, don't give me that scowl. Oh, you're gonna ride me about this for a long time, aren't you? Like, I'm the only one that's ever messed up. I'm the only one that's ever made a mistake. What about you, Laura? What about the time you locked us out of the house? You're not going to equate that with sending our only child into outer space, are you? I'm not equating anything, Laura. I'm just saying nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect, Laura. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Wasn't that a trigger? Officer, I believe you've been looking for this gentleman. Oh, much obliged, Superman. Sheesh, I don't know what we'd do without you. All in a day's work. All right, come on, pal. Let's go. Come on. Kal-El! What? Who's that? I'm your father, Jor-El. My father? Come back to speak with me from beyond the grave? Well, <laughs> not exactly. Uh... It, it, it turns out my calculations about Krypton exploding were well, well, a little off. You mean enough people survived to eventually repopulate the planet? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Is my mother well? Yes, your mother and I are doing both fine. Uh, I quit the council and I got a job in real estate and we're doing very well. Dad, come on. Shh, shh. I'll be right there. I, I'm sorry. sorry. Sorry, we're having a bit of a barbecue here. Uh, by the way, you have a few brothers and sisters you've never met. Oh, did I tell you everybody on Krypton has superpowers now? Oh, terrific. Sounds great. Why have you called me after 30 years? Well, I called you, son, according to my calculations. Uh, hold on. Yeah, turn those over. They're going to burn. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a barbecue. Uh, an enormous meteor is heading right for, and it's going to strike Metropolis. You must destroy it with your heat vision. I'm not wrong this time. Meteor? I don't see it. It's heading right for you. It'll hit you in less than a minute. You must save Metropolis. I'm sorry. I don't see any meteor. Do you, do you see any sign of it? Do you see any sign of it yet? Thanks for calling, Dad. Oh, you pompous jerk! You're just like your mom! I make one mistake! It could have been Tokyo! Yeah, it's in Tokyo or Saka! You're just like your mom! Give me a break! So there you have it. Some pretty funny stuff from Saturday Night Live back in the mid-80s. Good choice. That's just about 30 years ago. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Thanks. Time for the super secret soundbite. Only one thing alive but less than four legs can hear this frequency, Superman, and that's you. Last month's sound came from the theme song for Crypto, the Superdog animated series. Uh, let's hear it again. Here it is. He's a superhero. Now we had five people guess that that sound came from the animated series Crypto, the Superdog, the theme song, in fact. Who were they, Scotty? David Nelson, 
David Huang, Jeremy Crawford, Annie Eunice, and Guile Savigno Jr. Yeah, I think it was Danny Nielsen, but uh, you know we always manage to stuff up some some names here uh, in this segment mm. of the show. So uh, why do anything Danny, different? Danny, indeed. This month? I'm sorry, Danny. Yeah, but uh, uh, there you go, Danny. Uh, let's move on to what this month's super secret soundbite is, and uh, well, let's see if anybody in the in those five people and more can guess where in the world of Superman this new sound comes from. Keep, look at that, Crypto. Come on, let's go in. Well, if you think you know where in the world of Superman that sound came from, then use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Radio KL webpage and send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name mispronounced here on Radio KAL. <laughs> uh, I was reading ahead of myself. <laughs> Uh, this time now, as uh, whenever we whenever we do this show, right around this time, we get to the Superman song, which Steve spends uh, at least seventy-two days and six hours every month trying to find the song that he's going to use. What do we have this time around, Steve? Well, this time around, we have a song. Funnily enough, it's titled Superman. We haven't had one of those in a while, have we? Uh, it is no. no it's uh, it's by an artist called Janice Vidal. I think yeah, she's a Chinese uh, singer. And it's from her 2005 album, Day and Night. Here it is, Janice Vidal's Superman. Just take me away, take me to sleep. 
there you have it. That was the song. And that is our show. Uh, a, a, a nice lengthy one this time around. And, uh, you know, we're always happy to hear your input into the show. Do you have a topic you think we need to discuss? Is there a song you'd like to request? Is there a sketch you'd like us to play? Look, any suggestions that you have for this show, uh, whether you think it's going too long, too short, whatever you want to tell us about this show, we're only too happy to hear from you. You can use the KAL feedback form found at the Radio KAL webpage to send us those suggestions. Or if you want to send us an email, my email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com. You can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com. And as I said, we're only too happy to hear your thoughts for this Radio KAL podcast. But for now, that is our show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, remember, always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KAL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and proudly sponsored by Patrick O'Neill.